Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. As always, I am Paul Casey, and I'm joined here by a fantastic reoccurring guest. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Wayne. Uh, I'm uh, most definitely a, a Lost fan, uh, pretty much uh, obsessed with it uh, since uh, since I started watching. Uh, yeah, it's uh, good to be back. It was like, what, like my fifth time, I, th- I think, at least. Oh, I probably. I mean, like, I, somebody else asked me that at one point. They were like, oh, how many times? And I'm like, to be honest, I don't necessarily remember because I, you know, have so many people on. I I, I said to, it was uh, one of the British guys, Andy, and I'll say it to you. I, I like to think that, that you're always here with me in spirit, Wayne. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> Actually, um, in regards to this episode, there there was something when I because I watched it the other day and then I, I rewatched it a little bit ago to take uh, my notes. And there was something that I was thinking about uh, between then and and today that I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to have to ask him because I tend to go with uh, you. You tend to post a lot of things on your social media accounts. Um, things that you basically headcanon, as as I've heard it called, where <laughs> you'll you'll post things and uh, you know you'll have a theory and it's and it's not just you because uh, I know Jake and myself because he and I talk just about every day and he'll message me or I'll message him and we'll say oh did you see the you know this thing that Wayne posted and we'll be like yeah you know what that totally makes sense we that is that that's what happened uh, recently you posted something about. Um, I want to say it was Miles finding, uh, going and taking uh, Nikki and, and Paolo's diamonds. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was my theory. Just like, just some thought about like what Miles might have done after he got off the island. And we were talking about it, and we were just like, "Yep, that that that's what happened." Like the, in in our minds, that's <laughs> that's what happened. And uh, I had a. I mean, it's probably been talked about amongst the fandom and and I have no doubt that you've probably thought it as well but uh, when we get there I, I have a, a a theory again not necessarily an original theory but I do have a theory that I'd like to run by you okay um but we will be discussing the episode uh I I don't is it question mark is it I mm. I, I sometimes I like to go hmm because I don't <laughs> quite know how to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I, when I when I talk about it, I just say the question mark episode. Same here. Yeah, you know, online when you're typing, you just type a question mark character, and then then you know what you're talking about. Right. Uh, I, I yeah, I I would say que- the question mark episode. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I originally several months ago, when I put the. Uh, the the question no pun intended out to who wanted what episodes uh i believe you had said you wanted this one like right off the bat was there a particular reason for that um probably uh similar to reasons i've uh, requested previous episodes like uh like solitary and Deuces machina which is like things get introduced in this episode that get further explored later on in the series and as we learn about the uh the show's mythology, it all kind of ties back to episodes like this one. Okay. It's really interesting to rewatch an episode like this, knowing uh, pretty much everything there is to know about the mythology, and then going, oh yeah, this must be what that's about. Okay. See, I would have thought, 
honestly, um, that it would have been uh, almost a for the for as, as weird as it sounds for like some of the religious aspects. Uh that's what I would have thought. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I just I actually did not think about the religious aspects too much in this particular episode. And I know we, we've ta- we've talked about like some of the stuff that uh, regarding Mister Echo and you know things like you know that he's quoted like you know the, like the uh, the we found a book speech. Um, I didn't I didn't necessarily think so much about the uh, the religious. Well, first first of all, because I you know I, I'm not Catholic and you know like the, so like the whole confessional thing that didn't I didn't really you know I didn't identify with that or anything. Um, so I totally yeah. get you. <laughs> <laughs> But no, like, I mean, and, and people have, have said that to me in the past, like, oh, I would think you would like Echo because he's a religious character. And, I'm, and I've actually said that as well. I'm like, I'm not Catholic. I'm like, I get the religious thing, but like, it doesn't necessarily play to me 100%. There are certain things that I can somewhat identify with, but it's not 100% my beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Um... But yeah, no, I definitely, as I was watching it, like I would totally agree with your with your point of uh, so many things, just like uh, previous episodes you've been on, so many things get set up in this episode. And it's it's always fun to see some of these things that you may not necessarily realize were huge or would end up being huge things. And this is an episode where you think, like, oh, okay, this is dealing with the fall. Like, I, when I, in my mind, whenever I think of this episode, I always think of it more as, oh, okay, this is dealing with the fallout of Michael just shot uh, Libby and Ana Lucia and himself, and he set Ben free. But there is this whole other aspect to it where it's like they discover the Pearl Station for the very first, well, actually, it's not the survivors discovering it for the first time as we find (laughs) out in season three, but basically it's being discovered for the very first time. But whenever I'm thinking about certain episodes, even though it's the question mark episode and that's arguably the a story in my mind, I always think of it as, Oh, all right. This one takes place right after two for the road. That was the one where Michael shot them. That's it's the follow up to that, you know? Mm, Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was kind of basically what it was for me. Like, first time watching it especially so you want to know anyway at the, at the way that you know the previous episode ended you're like what in the world what what the heck is going on so yeah that's the thing that was on my mind the first time watching this but on rewatch it's like i get to explore all these other things that were that were that happened throughout the episode yeah and it's it is it is really it's really great to see as you said you know all of these things that at various points kind of all lead back to this episode yeah um okay so my very first note i have uh we start out with echo building the church we'll quickly discover that this is a dream um he sees Ana lucia who's standing i wrote she's standing in a strange way I don't know. It looks maybe like it could be CGI. Something is just very off about the the way that she's there. She's kind of like on a rock, but like it looks like she's on the beach, but not on the beach. And I, I wrote that it lends to the whole dream aspect 
of the scene. It's just I don't know. There's just something where it makes me like I look at it and I go, "Ooh, something something is not right here." I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, I think it's like just the way the the shot was framed. Maybe the 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 the, the color filtering is something. Yeah, I, I agree. Something about it is just a little bit off. Like not how it would normally be be filmed. Yeah. Um. She then asks what he's building, and he tells her that it's a church. She asks why, and he says that he was told in a dream to build the church. And she says about how uh, this is also a dream. And then she, be- I wrote, she becomes her bloody self, the image of her we saw just after she was shot by Michael. And then she tells him that he needs to help John. Mm-hmm. Uh, see that, yeah, see that right there. I'm, I'm thinking you know, we can go into this a little bit later, but uh, you know that that kind of tells me that this, because like at this point, Mister Echo has no idea that Ana Lucia has just been shot, and so this dream, you know, it has to be more than just a dream. It has to be coming from somewhere outside of Mister Echo's current knowledge. Right. Well, so then the question becomes: Is it? the island and you know is it the island is it man in black <laughs> you know yeah and i do i do have my theory but i think we well i'd rather talk about it like later on in our, in our discussion okay <laughs> um we then see several flashes and the number flickering noise uh before echo is in the hatch sitting at the computer is his brother yemi Echo begins to beg for forgiveness, but Yemi only tells him that the work being done in the hatch is important and it is in danger. And he reiterates that Echo must help John. He says John has lost his way and Echo must make him take him to the question mark. The alarm then starts to go off. But as Yemi inputs the code, it's everything is just it's all question marks and instead of the regular timer we see the red and black danger version of the timer but all question marks instead of the hieroglyphics the room begins to vibrate and hum and yemi tells echo that there will be distractions but echo must persist and then he just offhandedly says oh yeah by the way bring the axe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it, and it, it they they pay it off later. It's just so strange where he's just like an echo, bring the axe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like whoever's you know planting this dream in, in Mister Echo's mind, like has like some specific plan in mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, this causes Echo to wake up at night near the church. Charlie also wakes up to make sure that he's okay, and Echo says that he needs to find John. Um, and now this is something that, because uh, I happen to be looking through Lostpedia earlier today, it shouldn't be nighttime, correct? Because in the at the end, if I'm not mistaken, and someone, and Wayne correct me or someone listening, please correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end of the previous episode, Libby, like it was daytime, Libby had just gone to get the blankets and whatever, because her and Hurley were going to have the picnic, and then all of a sudden now it's nighttime because as we see here, uh, Sawyer, Jack, Kate, and Locke are all heading back to the hatch because there was just the whole thing where Locke is like, I need to tell you something when they found out that Ana Lucia had stolen uh, Sawyer's gun. But it, it shouldn't be nighttime, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like 
they seem to imply that several hours have passed since. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense because like previous episode, yeah, it was daytime and yeah, Sawyer and Jack and Locke they were all about to head to the hatch, which we know is like only like like a fifteen minute walk or so. Yeah. Because, I mean, even later on when we see Hurley, when he, he comes up to uh, Kate and Sawyer at Sawyer's tent, it he says, he's like, have you guys seen Libby? Like, we were supposed to, you know, she was supposed to go get the blankets, and that's daytime. But it's almost as yeah. if a whole day has passed. Like, has <laughs> yeah. he just been standing there waiting for her to bring the blankets for, like, a day? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Um, okay, so for some reason at night, uh, they're all heading to the hatch. Sawyer and Jack have an argument in which Sawyer uses a whole slew of nicknames. I didn't, I don't remember all of them at this exact moment. I'm normally good with that. Uh, but basically oh. he's saying that Locke shouldn't have lied about, uh, Ana Lucia being attacked by Benry. Mm-hmm. I think I, I wrote down the quote. Somewhere. Uh, wait, hold on a second. Uh, it's uh, well, I got the beginning part of the quote at least. Gimpy McCrutch over here covers up. Gimpy McCrutch over here covers up that the artist formerly known as Henry Gale tried to strangle your little Amiga. Yes, <laughs> like he just he's he has and it's the I believe the very next episode after this where he mentions something about uh uh. The, the grape ape and the dirty dozen and all of that oh, stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, he just, he strings together so many pop culture references and all sorts of things so often. And I love it. It's one of my favorite aspects about his character, but sometimes it just, they all happen so fast that unless I'm going to specifically write them down, I'm just like, he's just, he's such a master at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's funny, so, it, yeah, that makes it funny, like, in the next season when Hurley tries it. Yes. <laughs> That's actually, uh, I, 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 I mean, I love when characters, and it's, it's any show, it's not just Lost, but I love when characters try to emulate other characters. I mean, even, even in this show, uh, in season one, Boone was trying so hard to basically be Locke be like a tough guy and then you get a moment like where he's just like yeah i'll i'll help with sentry duty and then he fell asleep you know it's just like the complete opposite happens of what they want and it's just like you tried so hard Um, okay, uh, Jack argues that Sawyer shouldn't have let Ana Lucia steal his gun, and Kate stops them from fighting more before Michael busts out of the hatch, claiming that this guy, not like you, Wayne, uh... This guy shot him because he I mean, we know, obviously, that he was, as we find out in the next episode, he was informed that one of their people was there and they mentioned, oh, you know, we have one of them locked up or whatever. But basically, he has to keep up the lie of some some guy. I don't know who it was. Some guy just shot them and then he shot me and. Because he even says, uh, I wrote, he lies and says he was napping and heard gunshots and he went to check. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, I, in the in the very next episode, I, I've I've 
because uh, I have that episode recorded already, I, I, I mentioned how Michael is not necessarily good at manipulating people, like especially when you compare him to characters like Locke, Ben, Sawyer, even Jack to a certain extent, Kate. But he he has to keep up this ruse, basically, in, in the, these few episodes of what he's really doing back what he actually knows versus what he's letting them know that he knows. And he's not necessarily the worst at it, but when it comes to just like trying to manipulate the entire situation, it just doesn't necessarily work in his favor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I noticed that, especially like um, in the, season two finale. I think I just rewatched part of that recently where, you know, Michael is trying to explain to everyone, like it has to, you know, it has to be this way. It has to be just these specific people, you know, and it totally, he's totally not making any sense. And of course we know why, but it's like so obvious that something's up and he was, he's, there's something he's not telling people. And, you know, of course Saeed immediately picks up on it. And, yeah. But yeah. Um, Okay, as Jack tries to help Michael up, Echo appears. Uh, Inside the hatch, Kate and Locke look around. They find Ana Lucia dead, Libby on the verge, and Benry is missing. Um, Jack and Echo bring Michael in, and Kate tells Jack that Ana Lucia is dead. And I have one of my favorite moments of the episode. Sawyer is standing over Libby, who suddenly coughs blood onto his face, freaking him oh out <laughs> and undoubtedly freaking out a section of the audience as well. Oh, my gosh. You know, that that moment still freaks me out. And you know, even though I totally know it's coming. Uh, see, well, it's weird because like part of it because the timing you know what I mean? It's one of those things where can you yeah. can you ever figure out the timing exactly as to when it's going to happen? So, like, that's the, the freak out. But then the other freak out is, like, she just coughed blood onto him. Even if even yeah. if you know, like, you know, in a, in a TV show or a movie, even if you know someone is about to, like, vomit or something, when you see it, and especially if it gets on something that it's not supposed to, that's even more like that's not necessarily like a freak out, but it's just like a ew moment, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, but yes, hands down, one of my favorite moments of the episode. <laughs> um, Jack goes to check on her, of course, uh, but she's in shock and she can't speak. And Michael gets extremely worried that she's still alive. Yeah. Um, Jack has, uh, they've taken Libby to the bed. And in the armory, Echo performs last rites. I believe they're last rites on Ana Lucia. Um, Locke sees this and then Echo sees Locke. Um... In the bedroom, Jack is trying to help Libby, but he can't think of anything. He then takes a moment while telling Kate to keep pressure on the wound, and he asks Michael how long ago this all happened. And he declares that they need to go after Ben, but Sawyer tries to tell him how Ben has a head start and a gun and clearly isn't afraid to use it. And Jack reminds Sawyer that Ben shot three of their people. 
And Sawyer reminds Jack that he needs to be the doctor for Libby. And so often on this show, I, I'm everyone knows I'm not a big Jack fan. And I think that a lot of times he acts too impulsively. This is one of those times where I will say I think he's right. He's wrong to act impulsively. I think acting impulsively is, is foolish a lot of the times. But I probably would have said the exact same thing. He just shot three of our people. We need to go after this guy. That's true, but I still, I, there, Sawyer still had a point though of like Jack is the doctor, so you know, absolutely, we need to go after this guy, but it shouldn't be Jack. Yes, I yes, I I'm in, and it's the funny thing is like so often they at least in you know season one, season two, like they try to to tell him that. So many times, but he never listens. Yeah. And rightfully so. He's, you know, he is the, for, for for argument's sake, he is the leader and he wants to always set things right. So it makes sense that he's always like, no, everything is my response because he puts everything on himself. You know, oh, no, this is my responsibility. I, you know, I need to do this. Um, and of course, he d- can't really delegate. He doesn't really delegate things very well. So I could totally get why he always wants to do this, but everybody always has to point that out to him. Like, dude, you're the – like, I think Locke even – one of the characters even says it at the one point. Like, you go be the doctor. I will – I think – yeah, I think it's Locke says it. You be the doctor. Let me be the hunter or something like that. Yeah. Um. Echo then volunteers to find the trail and asks Locke to help him. And Jack says that if they do find the trail, come back and they'll then they can make a plan, which, again, something I really like because it's the impulsive thing. But it's also let's actually think about this for a little bit, which Jack. I mean, Jack doesn't necessarily do that that often. I think he does act too impulsively too often. So to for them to, you know, for him to say, all right, find the trail, then we're going to make a plan. I think that's I think that's really smart. Yeah. Um, and of course they then set off, uh, in flashback, Echo is taking a confession and he seems really bored of it. I don't know if, if that's just me, but he just has this feeling where he's just like, okay, what did you do? Are you, are you truly sorry about this? Like he just doesn't, it, it, to me, it seems to me he just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we know, yeah, I mean, we know he's been there for a while by this point cause it's just before he gets on Oceanic A15. Right. Um, the man on, I don't know what, if there, if there's a name for like the partition, maybe it's just partition, but I wrote the man on the other side mentions having, uh, forged documents, uh, for a priest, things like that. This causes Echo to leave the confessional and take the man for a walk. And while they're talking, uh, a few times references are made to the USA and things like that. Um, the Monsignor then approaches, but he seems a little hesitant, and Echo tells a half-truth by saying this man has been helping arrange Echo's visit to the United States, which technically is true. Yeah. Um, but the Monsignor tells him that the trip will have to be postponed because they have a miracle. A bit later, a woman is telling Echo and the Monsignor how her daughter drowned. She then reveals that during the autopsy, she came back to life. And she says that everyone needs to know of this miracle from God. The Monsignor then tells her that they will have to investigate these claims before reporting anything to the Vatican. 
uh, Echo, after excusing the woman so he and the Monsignor can talk, says that he can't do what is asked because he doesn't believe a word that she's saying. And the Monsignor then tells Echo that that's why he was chosen to investigate this. And that just seems like something that, I don't know what it is, that that just seems like a... And, and I hope no one out there takes offense to this, but that just seems like a religious thing, like a religious answer, because that's that often seems like the thing where it's like, I, I, I suspect you wouldn't believe, so I'm going to put this on you to, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like a test. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't, I mean, it could, you have a good point there. I mean, I just never thought of it that way. I just saw it as like the... Is like they they know that Echo is is generally skeptical skeptical about things, and so they they know he's going to try to look at this objectively because you know they they don't want to jump to a conclusion that that this is a miracle because like I would I would think a lot of people make that sort of claim when it's just really you know when things have like some sort of logical explanation, right? And so the the perfect person to to do this sort of investigation, you know, objectively would be someone who's, who's often, you know, looking, looking at things critical or, you know, or skeptical or, or something, you know, like, you know, like Mr. Echo apparently is. Good point. Um, okay. Back in the jungle, Echo, I wrote, Echo is marching with a purpose. Locke is confused and asks if Echo is seeing something that he's not. And he tells Echo to slow down. After John asks what Echo is specifically following, Echo says that he wants to go to the question mark. Locke pretends he doesn't know what Echo is talking about. And when all is said and done, Echo won't give up and just headbutts John. <laughs> and uh, it was mentioned in a few episodes over the last few episodes of this podcast and uh, I believe I actually do mention it at one point in the next episode after this. How did so many of these people not end up with permanent brain damage? <laughs> you know, I actually made a, a, a post about that on social media. It's, it's the island heals them. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll you know, I'll take that. Head cannon. There it is. Specifically it was in reference to Ben because he's the one who takes all those blows to the head. Yes. Alright, there it is. <laughs> um a bit later, Locke wakes up next to a fire that Echo has built, and he asks Echo why he hit him. And I quote, because you were being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wrote, imagine using that in real life. Like somebody somebody at your job just gets you angry, and so you just like knock them out, and they're just like, well, I'm, I'm taking you to HR. I'm going to file a lawsuit. And you're just like, um, your honor, they were being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, Locke says how Echo's friend was just murdered. Uh, but Echo says how Ana Lucia wants him to get to the question mark. And Locke deduces that Echo doesn't even know what he's talking about. But Echo said that as long as Locke knows what he's talking about, that's what matters. 
and Locke gives Echo the piece of paper that's been crumpled up and down, drawn on and redrawn on and all sorts of stuff. And it's Locke's attempt at drawing the blast door map leading to the question mark. Um, Echo figuring out which of the drawings is the swan, which according to Lostpedia is the only time so well the first time so far that any of the characters has referred to the hatch as the swan they always just refer to it as the hatch or whatever mm. yeah, um that's true. yeah uh echo decides on a path for them to take and Locke is Locke is perturbed and continues using sarcasm and mentions that he partly blames himself for Anna Lucia being dead and Echo says that Anna wants them to find the question mark, and she told him in a dream. And uh, it, I don't think we're at that point yet, but it does happen a little later, which I love, where he says to Locke something about, like, oh, haven't you ever followed a dream? Because we know that Locke has. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah. Okay. I, I have I have like thoughts about that specific aspect that I I, I just don't want to wait until we get to a certain point so we can discuss that. Okay. Um, in flashback, Echo is questioning the medical examiner about the young woman who supposedly came back to life. The Emmy confirms that this is what happened, and he offers uh, audio tape as proof. And we hear the tape and we hear him getting ready to cut the woman open before a high-pitched scream and some medical instruments knocking over the emmy then stops the recording and offers the tape to echo he insists echo keep it as he knows what it sounds like and he's you know he'll never forget the sounds of those screams (laughs) um Back in the jungle, Echo is trying to follow the map that Locke insists isn't a map. And it isn't a scale, it's just from memory. And uh, I believe at that point he says something, there's the the thing where he says something about, uh, is this a river? And he's just like, no, it's a wavy line. It's a wavy line. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Echo insists, though, that they move forward. And he steps on something... And it's one of the Virgin Mary statues because they are at the drug smuggling plane. And Echo asks for some backstory. Locke tells him how he found it, but Boone is the one that made it fall because he climbed up. Everything shifted and so on, as we know. Um, It's interesting, though, that, that Echo is asking about all this now because we know that Echo has been to this plane before. We saw him. You know, he discover Yemi's body in there. Yes. But I don't know, did did he I can't remember right now, did he know how like how it got to that point? Like that mm-hmm. the fact that it fell and that it was perched up and all that? Probably not, because I mean he was with Charlie the first time. And we know Charlie wasn't there to see Boone fall. Right. But yeah, it's it's interesting like like how Echo. I guess, well, I guess Charlie must have known enough to say like Locke was there. So maybe that's how. And we know Charlie spent a lot of time with Echo recently, so Echo probably does know at this point that Locke was there when the plane fell, but he didn't hear the whole story from Charlie yet. So he wants to hear it from Locke now. Right. Could also just be you know, and I mean, which I would totally get, like the fact that. 
his brother's body is there. So even if he, even if Charlie told him the whole story, he may still want to hear it from a firsthand account just because, you know what I mean? Like so often, like when there's something and you can, you can like, it doesn't matter how many times any of us have watched lost. I bet if we got into a room with Damon Lindelof or Carlton Cuse, we would still ask questions. How did you, we've read, all of us have read basically every interview, you know, we've seen all the episodes, web things. We've, you know, we've listened to various podcasts and people dissect things. Wayne comes up with head cannon, you know, all this stuff <laughs> that just, we, we, we are so also immersed in this show, but I bet if we were to get into a room with Damon and Carlton, we would still say, how did you come up with this? Or how did this happen? Even though we probably know it, we just still want to hear it. There's a, what's the phrase from, from the horse's mouth? Is from that the, the phrase? Mouth, yeah. yeah. We would, you know what I mean? So that could be it as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Echo says that they, uh, should stay at the plane, make camp sleep and wait for further instructions. Um, which later, later becomes an episode title. Yes. I, I actually kind of like when they do that kind of thing. Um, back in the hatch, Jack is mad that Echo and Locke haven't returned yet. Uh, Michael appears asking about Libby, and Jack says that he can't do anything for her and that she's getting worse. He then gives Sawyer a look, but Sawyer's confused. He says that he gave Jack all the medicine, but Jack wants the heroin. Sawyer agrees, but Jack insists that Kate is going with Sawyer. She doesn't understand why, and Sawyer explains Jack's motivation. The guns and heroin must be in the same place, therefore Kate can know this location, or Sawyer can be selfish and let Libby suffer. And Jack agrees that this is his point. Um, I don't know. I thought you would have had a thought on Kate there. I don't oh. know. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> um, I, you know, I actually did not spot any Kate feel moments in this episode. Really? Which, you know, I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons I like this episode. But <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, a little later, Kate and Sawyer are walking to get the heroin. Kate asks Sawyer how Ana Lucia managed to trick Sawyer into getting his gun. Of course, he doesn't want to tell her the truth, and he gives her the simple lie that she must have pickpocketed him. And without wanting to go into more detail, once they arrive at his tent, he invites her in. She's confused, but he reveals that he's been stashing the guns and the heroin in his tent the entire time, and he hands her a statue. And then this is the moment when they exit. Hurley approaches asking if they've seen Libby because apparently she's been missing for a whole day and now is when he thinks to ask somebody. <laughs> Poor Hurley. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems always hard to watch. Yeah. And it's and I mean it's one of those great like no dialogue, you know, just the hand on the shoulder thing. Oh yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very similar to the moment when uh, they had to tell uh, Shannon that Boone had died. Yeah. I think that's one of those things in in TV where it's it's that the the lack like I said the lack of dialogue, you know, a camera a little further away so that you're not in that moment, you're observing that moment. 
Yeah. And I think it works very well. I mean, there are certain certain shows and, and films and things like that where you do want to feel whatever the character is feeling, but to get that moment of, like, watching them feel it because you yeah, already I mean, have more information than they have. Like, if you're discovering yeah. it along with them, it's one thing, but when you already have more information, you're not necessarily going to be feeling what they're feeling. Yeah, and it's like we we already you know we don't have to hear what's being said because we know, right? Um, back in the jungle, in what we'll find out is another dream. Yemi is sitting at the campfire when Echo wakes. Yemi insists that Echo be quiet or that he'll wake John. And Echo, with a slight limp, I love that they did that. Um, f- follows behind Yemi, who's <laughs> I didn't even notice that. You never noticed that before? I totally did not notice that. Yeah, Echo has like a because Locke is his leg is injured, so Echo has a slight limp because as we'll fi- you know as we find out, it's uh, <laughs> Echo is actually Locke in this in this thing, yeah, or Locke is Echo, yeah. I never noticed that. That's t- two episodes that I've gotten you on, and I've got something over on the guy. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay. Echo with a slight limp follows behind Yemi, who's climbing the cliff. Uh, Echo then climbs it as well. Upon getting to the top, Yemi is sitting in a wheelchair and says, Wake up, John, before Echo falls. And this jolts John, uh, yeah, John awake. It was his dream. Um, Echo asks what happened and realizes that Locke got the vision dream this time and explains who Yemi is and then asks what to do. Uh... Echo then starts to climb as the dream seemed to instruct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and I believe this is the, the last dream that occurs in this episode? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because by this, by this time, they've been given enough instructions to be able to find uh, the Pearl Station. Right. So, I mean, did, did you want to, like, go into, like where these dreams are coming from or do you want to like wait until we oh if you if you have theories i would love to hear them well i mean it's so my theory is actually pretty simple but it's it's definitely controversial which is even better okay well (laughs) okay so I'll, i'll just say it i think these dreams are coming from the man in black and we don't have any proof that the man in black can induce dreams in in other people but it's something. It's a. It's a theory that I've come up with to try to explain like multiple occurrences of, of such things. And the reason I say it's for, it's from the Man in Black is because his his plan was basically to have Locke discover the Pearl Station, watch the video that I guess we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, and then lose faith and stop pushing the button and get everyone on the island killed. Well, how would wait? Stop pushing the button and get every. Why, why would pushing stopping push the? Why would yeah? Why would that cause everyone to get killed? Well, I mean, you don't if you don't push the button, then the uh, electromagnetic build buildup just get you know gets leaks out of control, and then. Uh, but that happens, and they don't all die. Yeah, but only because of the failsafe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. See, I mean, 
I would I would agree. I think they're from the because I mean we know from from interviews with Damon and Carlton and other writers and things we know that uh, what is it the horse that Kate comes across the spiders I want to say in season three and there's yeah. one other thing that we know that the man in black can all other than dead bodies we know that there are other things that he can transform into so i would totally think that various sort of dreams throughout the because i mean i might even argue that in the season like the episode where Locke, and i mean maybe you you have this point a little later i don't know if this was it but in uh i don't know how to pronounce it the one where Locke follows his dream yeah deus whatever it is um That I I would if 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 we're gonna go with that theory, I might even say that that was provided by um, the man in black because that would distract Locke so that he would almost not be able to be a candidate anymore because he's so focused on this thing over here that anything that else that's going on on the island he's not gonna be. Or to even lead him to this point where it's like, oh yeah, get him so caught up in pushing the button and then pull the rug out from underneath them, then causing the destruction based on not pushing the button. Yeah. Funny thing is, <laughs> I know we discussed that that same that episode that, that you just talked about, and I, I cannot remember what I actually said or if we came to any conclusions, but I do know that... Um, that was one of my theories that you know that it was the man in black inducing that dream as well okay we probably did talk about that and someone out there is listening going yeah you guys are just rehashing i honestly don't remember (laughs) that seems like so long ago to me (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah no i would yeah that's that's what i would think yeah um yeah i've I've mentioned this theory to to other other lost fans and they're like like well how do you know the man in black can produce dreams we don't know that but it's like well yeah it's just my own theory but i think it makes sense if he did have that ability and this this would be his motivation and and yeah it didn't you know we know it didn't work ultimately but you know neither did most of his other plans to try to get the candidates killed right well now what makes i mean is it just because that because that was his ultimate plan like is there is there something specifically that made you think originally like oh the man in black can cause people to have these vision dreams or was it all just kind of it just hit you one day and like there was there was no process to it or like how did like how did you come up with that theory i don't know i think i was just kind of basing like like unexplained things in the in the in the context of jacob versus man in black you know as opposed to you know, attributing things to like the island in general, you know, which you know, which a lot of people like to do, um, and then re- you know, just realizing, you know, like you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, because because uh, Echo did not know that uh, that Anna Lucia had been shot, and yet she appears to have been shot in his dream. So we know something external must have produced these the, these dreams, um, or or you know, the the plan, you know, telling him to bring the axe when he doesn't know why to bring the axe telling him about the question mark when, you know, there actually is a question mark that neither Echo nor Locke knows about yet. 
Um, so you know, I'm thinking this. You know, these dreams have to been planted intentionally, and you know, and just going and just looking at, you know, who has a bigger motivation to tell, you know, to to show Locke this, you know, this orientation video that would suggest that, you know, maybe, you know, the, pushing the button is meaningless. Well, it, it seems to me that it would be the man in black, because I would think Jacob would want the button to continue being pressed. You know, if not by a candidate, but you know, just by somebody, just to keep that electromagnetic energy at bay, you know, so that uh, you know, so that it doesn't destroy the islet or whatever it ultimately would have done. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it's funny you said, you know, like all oh, people attribute things to the island. I actually, I'm, I'm one of not, not necessarily everything, because like I think there are other explanations for a lot of things but uh when we were in uh hawaii i was talking with some people and they were just like well okay how do you because they the the one one of the guys uh luke uh from england he mentioned something about um he had a uh he has a website thefactsite.com and he often writes like lists about certain things with with lost and we just got to talking about like where certain things uh, ended up or where, um, you know, like what are certain unanswered questions? What about this? What about that? And I have my own certain unanswered questions and things and, you know, whatever. And but whatever he was asking and I don't remember specifically what it was, but like my theory was the island because the island is often a character in itself there is like a personification almost of the island with in regards to certain things and so i I always joke that if we're going to believe the concept that there is a such a thing as a smoke monster why could we not also believe that an island can have like physical characteristics or manipulate things in a certain way you know, mm-hmm. so I mean, as much as as much as I do like the concept of the man in black can do these, you know, can can create these vision dreams or whatever you want to call them. And, and you know, that there are, are other uh, answers to certain questions to me, not this one, but there are certain other things where I just kind of chalk it up to mysteries of the island for whatever reason if there's not something that i that i can think of offhand or if someone that i know and that you know like someone like you who has very good theories or someone like jake who i talk about lost with often even when not doing this show like things like that if they can't come up with something i just chalk it up to the island is a mystery things happen like i said if we're going to believe the concept of such a thing as a smoke monster exists this this deity figure like jacob has existed for centuries why can't you know like what like why is it so easy to accept those things but yet you can't accept not you but like other people can't accept you know that the island is basically a character unto itself you know hmm. yeah i mean I'd be okay with accepting something like that if I knew more about like what would be the island's motivations and you know what is the island's purpose you know beyond like what you know anything that Jacob or anyone else has, has explained. Yes, so, like, I mean, uh, see, like I said, I just yeah. and this, again, this is just me personally. I just think of it as just like 
mysteries because I I don't I don't think that I don't like the concept and this is you know and and so many especially so many non lost fans have this whole thing about lost oh they didn't answer all the questions oh they didn't answer this oh they didn't answer that you in life you don't get all the answers to everything true you know and that's yeah. that's that's one of the ways that i and not just this show but various other shows as well that have like mythologies like i just got done rewatching fringe recently and there were mm. many questions upon and that was actually the very first time i've ever rewatched the show and there were many questions that i still have about that but i just chalk it up to it's especially these are shows about characters as much as i'm a, a mythology fan in regards to Lost, yeah, the characters and whatever, I like the mythology more. One of the, the great things about life is that we don't necessarily get all the answers. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think with me, it's, it's more like I, I just enjoy like coming up with my own answers. I enjoy when you come up with answers, too. <laughs> yeah, because like, the thing is, like, if I come up with an idea like that, then you know the fact that you know the show is over and you know Damon and Carlton have stated that they're not going to do it anymore you know like you know you know never mind like whatever ABC might decide to do but you know as far as they're concerned that's it they've they provided all the answers we're ever going to get and so i can come up with my own a- answers make it you know my own headcanon and nobody can prove me wrong if it hasn't been disproven already on the show right Oh, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board. And like I said, I love when you come up with theories. And I've, I've told other people who they know, like, other, especially other people who've been on this show, like, they know who you are just because, like, all, basically everybody, especially the people who've been to uh, Lost 2014 and Lost 2017, like, we all kind of know each other. We all kind of, like, friended each other on Facebook or followed each other on Twitter, like, within the first week or so after both events. Um, but, uh, you know, so like people knew who like who you were and who other people were, but like I've I've continually said, and that's why, like I said, that's why I call you the guy. I've continually <laughs> said, I'm like this guy has great theories. He's constantly still thinking about stuff in regards to Lost. You're you're always pointing out things. There was I cannot remember what it was. It was something with the transmission tower where it was like even if so and so, even if I think it was like in. See, like in season one, even if they had found the transmission tower and were, you know, they they got the they found the the French signal, they still wouldn't have been able to get anything because the looking glass was blocking it. It's and and I understand that's Mm. a basic thing. And probably everybody else out there is like, yeah, duh, I knew it. And I know that those two things go together. But until you like put it out there, I never thought like. Oh, that's actually true. So even way back then, they still would not have got like as much as they think like, oh, if we could just get to this tower, because they don't end up getting to that tower till like what the end of season three, I think. Yeah. Like even if even when they get there, it doesn't it wouldn't have mattered. And again, I knew that. But until I saw someone actually put it all together in like a string of sentences, it never like clicked in my mind. And like, you still post things like that. And I love (laughs) it because 
it often gives me a new, like I said, even just the other day with your, with your miles thing, Jake and I were texting and randomly like, well, you know, if we see something on Facebook or something in the middle of a conversation, I'll just go, Oh yeah, check out this thing that so-and-so just posted. And we were in the middle of another conversation and I'm just like, Oh yeah, by the way, did you see Wayne's thing? And he goes, no, let me go check it out. Like not even five minutes later, I get a thing back from him where he's just like, I like that head cannon. Like, <laughs> because that's just what, ha- like, and, and, and you just come up with these, with these great theories and I love it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, getting back to, you know, this, this whole thing with the man in black and, and producing dreams. I mean, you know, that's just, I came up, came up with that, um, just in, in the process of like trying to figure out where the dreams came from. And I go, okay, well, my go, my, basically my go-tos are Jacob and the man in black. You know, I'll 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 go I'll, I'll like try to figure out like if either of those two had a would have had a motivation to produce you know this sort of thing. If not, then I might chalk it up to well, it was just a strange dream. Like you know, there there have been cases where I've done that. Right. But in this case, yeah. In, in this case, when I try to analyze, like, could the would the man in black have had a reason to do this? I go, oh yeah, it totally would have. You know, he's he's like, well, he knows that there's this button that you know that Desmond has been pushing. You know, for for you know these last several years, and he knows what's going to happen if the button doesn't get pushed, and all of a sudden Desmond leaves, and like all these other clueless people are are like you know taking turns pushing this button, and it's all like you know and Locke is the one who's who's organizing this whole thing who has like who has like absolute faith in the button. Well, the best way to get people to stop pushing the button would be to make Locke lose faith, and well. Hey, there's this orientation video down in this other Dharma station. As long if Locke were to see it, that would cause him to lose faith. So that's kind of there is the irony though of the fact that it causes Locke to lose faith, but it just boosts Echo's faith even more. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, maybe that's why the Man in Black. uh, It's a little spoilery. Oh, go ahead. I, th- I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. He kinda, yeah. He kind of reacts to Mr. Echo. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Where was I? Oh. Okay. Here we go. Uh. Okay. Um. In flashback. Echo is approaching a house. Mrs. Malkin from earlier comes out to meet him. There's a young girl sitting on the porch. Mrs. Malkin tells him that this isn't a good time. And her husband, Richard, Claire's psychic, then comes out and tells the the girls to go inside. He goes on to tell Echo how the daughter was never dead. She just had hypothermia. The Emmy was just covering up his own mistakes. And the wife, knowing that Richard is a fake and is trying to uh, spite him started making a fuss about the daughter and before i continue what because uh, ba- well, okay let me just finish that up really quick i, I wrote echo <laughs> is unsure what to think he even sees the daughter staring at him through the window he tells malkin that what really matters is that he has his daughter back and he will pass the word that a true miracle did not happen and i wrote but echo walks away still unsure of the whole truth my theory that I said that I had come up with over the last few days between watching it the other day and watching it today, ha- and again, maybe other people have thought this, I don't know. Do we think it's possible that at some point Malkin was contacted by the others or Jacob? 
mm. to convince, not necessarily with the Echo thing, but to convince Claire that she needed to go to the island for whatever reason. Because he makes he makes a big deal about he oh he he can't tell her like in the, in that episode he's like oh I can't I can't tell you this and then um you know all of that and then he he you know gives her the money and he's like oh there's this family and like even Charlie says at the end of that episode like oh maybe he knew because you know she would end if she's on the island she would end up raising the baby. And that's all he wanted. Maybe he knew, oh, some people, you know, have the gift. He's like, I believe some people do. And then all of that to then in this episode find out that he's lying about all of it. I'm wondering, I I, I thought maybe at some point somebody, like I said, like Jacob, because like we know, because my original thought was, Maybe the girl died and Jacob brought her back to life and he was like, oh, in exchange for that, you have to do this thing for me. But then I thought, because there is there is reason to believe that because he did something similar with Dogen, but the price was so much higher for Dogen than it would have been for, for Malkin in this thing. Like, that's not necessarily... Like he gets to he gets to still have his daughter, he gets to be there, and all he had to do was basically lie to Claire. But it did get me thinking, I wonder if if he was ever and again, that's just my own personal theory, uh, but I, I wondered if he was ever contacted or manipulated in some way by the others or Jacob himself. Mm. So okay, so you're saying that something hit like perhaps Jacob approached him like this is all to get Claire onto the island. Well, not necessarily like, yeah, not all of the, the echo, like the fact that echo came and whatever. I think that's just one of those things where, you know, we know that the characters have interacted, you know, the whole six degrees of separation yeah. thing. But I think with Malkin, with Claire, I, I don't know why I, I have no idea why, because it turns out a lot of that, or at least in my opinion, a lot of that, uh, you know, oh, Aaron has to be raised by Claire and all that stuff. It just seemed to kind of go nowhere, in my opinion, unless I'm unless I'm just at the moment not thinking of a huge part of it. But I I don't know. It just there was they made the whole big thing about in that in that episode. Did he have the gift? Did he not have the gift? Did he basically uh almost trick her into being on this plane because he knew that it would crash and he he was so adamant that she needed to raise this baby and whatever and so was there a you know did did someone contact him and say and give him like the information because you know okay normally when you see like on on TV and stuff and I I'm, I'm I could be mistaken but i think he says something about like oh i get information on people and i exploit it so maybe somebody provided him with information to get her to go on this specific place because he even says he's like it has to be this flight you know and whatever so i'm wondering if if he was manipulated some way or another by like i said the others on orders of Jacob or Jacob himself, because we know he does go off Island every so often to manipulate things. Yeah. Hmm. I, I'm not sure if I ever, I may have thought something like this before, but it's been, yeah, I, I haven't thought about that particular aspect in a long time, but yeah, 
I, I, it, it would actually kind of make sense. Because, like, let's see, I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, this this interaction with, with Echo. I'm trying to figure out, like, if this was before or after, like, his last interaction with Claire. I would think it would be around the same time. Probably. Because he... Because it was what, like within a day or so, Echo, we see the, the next the next flashback where he's at the airport. And yeah. he, in that one with Claire, he, like, it the, the flight was coming up soon because, like, he had the ticket and everything for her. And he's just, I don't remember when exactly he says, but he says something about, mm. like, oh, yeah. the, the, you know, the flight's leaving soon, basically, he I says. Think, I think it's the next day. Okay. Yeah, because Claire's like, no, I can't go tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. then, yeah, it would have happened basically within like two, three days of of each other. Hmm. So I mean, yeah, that your your theory actually makes sense now that I think about it, because like then, um, that would tie in, you know, this, you know, his his daughter, um, uh, being brought back to life, and then having to tell Claire he had to take this, you know, he had to take this specific flight. And, you know, maybe up until then, he was probably, you know, he's practically just done with Claire. Yeah. I don't know. See, like I said, though, the, the, the part in, in my own opinion of my own theory, the part where it, it falls apart is, uh, like Dogen, like I said, he get, he, you know, Jacob was like, oh yeah, I'll bring your kid back. Cause that was what it was, right? Like he would bring Dogen's kid back to life, but he yeah. had to come live on the island and so if that were the case, like Malkin got off real easy because he still gets to be with his kid and all he had to do was, I mean, yeah, it's a horrible thing, but all he had to do was like trick a pregnant girl into being in a plane crash. Like that's horrible, but it seems so much easier than, yeah, I'll bring your kid back to life, but you never get to interact with your kid again. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you know, if if this theory is true, then Jacob didn't need Malkin to go to the island. He just needed to do this, do this one thing. Right. Like I said, I would, I just happen to be thinking about it because when I'm doing other things, AKA at my work, I'm often just thinking about things that have nothing to do with work. And so, <laughs> and so I was thinking about that the other day. Cause I'm just like, Oh, cause like I was trying to, to piece together because I, I mean, again, maybe I'm just missing something. No matter how many times I've watched the show and and how much I love the show, maybe I'm just missing something. Because like, he, like I said, in that episode, Ray, was raised by another, right? He, they made yeah. such a big deal out of he. Maybe he did know, and then in this one, they make such a big deal out of no, he's a a charlatan basically, and then. Uh, everybody except him is in agreement that the daughter died. The daughter even says when she was between places, this thing happened. and But he is just so convinced that it didn't. And like I, I even wrote that Echo seems unsure. And I don't know how the rest of the fandom feels, but I'm left feeling unsure. Did she really die? Was she really brought back to life? I don't know. And this, the the Jacob or some other island healing powers sort of mysterious thing just made sense to me. 
I actually like that theory a lot better than what it seemed to be by the end of this episode. I mean, because like the first time I saw this episode, and they, you know, and you know the the psychic was revealed to not really be a psychic. I mean, you know, in other words, you know, that whole thing with the, with Claire's episode, like it, it was just kind of like brought it kind of brought Claire's story kind of down to nothing. Like it was all just a co- coincidence, right? Um, but you know, going with a theory like this, with you know Jacob having kind of manipulated the whole thing to bring Claire to the island, I, that actually makes a lot more sense, and it kind of explains, like, oh, yeah, it, you know, this guy's daughter really was dead, and that's why she was able to, to talk to uh, to Yemi. And it would actually help, especially with your theory with the dreams, because one would think if the man in black could do it, then uh, uh, Jacob should be able to do it, too. That would explain Claire's dream... In, I want to say, I think it was that same episode where she sees Locke with one black eye, one white eye, and, you know, oh, you were supposed to raise him or whatever. So, you know, our theories lend, could lend to each other. Yeah. I actually like that, that theory a lot better than the one that I was going to mention about, uh, uh, about Charlotte having, having talked to Yemi, which is basically that, well, you know, it'd be kind of like, Kind of like Hurley can talk to dead people. Okay, and that's like the only reason she was able to talk to you. You know, because like I was thinking, well, yeah, she didn't really die; she just happened to talk to Yemi because she had the ability to talk to dead people. But I, <laughs> I like your theory a lot better that you know that she actually was dead and Jacob brought her back to life in exchange for Mal, you know, Malcolm, uh, bringing Claire to the island. All right, I'm liking this. <laughs> <laughs> This is a good episode. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, back on the island, we see Echo climbing the side of the cliff. Once he gets to the top, he initially says that he sees nothing before turning around and realizing there appears to be a question mark on the ground where the plane lays. He's shocked. Um, a bit later, uh, Echo tastes some dirt from an area around the plane. Ew. Uh, he realizes that it's salty. He says the ground has been salted, so nothing will grow. He believes this was done, uh, to create the visual that he just saw from above. He searches the ground and then they discover another hatch. (laughs) And, uh, Echo, of course, uses the axe because it, you know, bring the axe, uh, uses the axe to get the doors open so that they can go inside, and Locke asks Echo if he minds if he goes first. Which, uh, he has the thing with that. He needs, even though he's, he's you know, on the edge of, of not believing or whatever, and now, I think it's funny because, like, he was he was doubting everything when, when Ben was just like, no, I never pushed the button and he's having such a difficult time. And like, he's constantly scribbling the thing and he's, Oh, does, you know, he didn't say it, but he, I always thought that he kind of had this thing up until this exact moment where he's just like, does pushing the button matter? You know, will anything happen? What was that mysterious, you know, this question mark thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden he sees this and he has a moment like he did, end of season one, beginning of season two, where he's just like, okay, another hatch, another mystery, another, you know, uh, my faith has been restored. And then in moments, it's just going to go like complete, like it was, it was, it was on the fence, 
you know, uh, for the last, you know, few episodes, but in a few minutes, it's going to go like completely out the window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but going back to like the part about uh, opening the hatch and you having to use the axe, you know, it's funny thinking about that though. There were two people that were recently in that same hatch before this who had no problem opening it or finding it for that matter. Yeah. They just kind of like stumbled upon it by accident and it's like, oh, and then it, it just kind of opens with ease. And I would argue that, yeah, neither <laughs> one of them are nearly as tough as Mr. Echo is. Yeah. He's a, he's a big guy, you know? Yeah. I don't I uh, I have no nothing on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. Well, I think I signed up for that episode that's coming up next season, so maybe we can analyze it then. Alright. Um back in our hatch, Jack breaks a Virgin Mary statue. Um, Hurley tells Michael that he and Libby were about to have their first date. Michael is too distracted that Libby will say something, but he does barely engage with Hurley, who mentions that he forgot the blankets, and that's the only reason that she was even in the hatch. And he then says that he's glad that Michael is okay, further driving Michael's guilt. Yeah. And good, because he should feel guilty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in the new hatch, which we'll find out is the Pearl Station, we actually commented on that earlier, um, yeah. Locke and Echo walk around to check it out. There's large uh, TV, or there's, what did I, I don't know what that, oh, there's large chairs, uh, numerous TV monitors, and a computer which prompts if the user wants a printout, and Locke hits yes. Echo finds a large number of notebooks, uh, the printout that Locke hit, there's many lines that say accepted over and over again. Echo opens a notebook, but there's nothing inside. And Locke finds the pneumatic tube and puts his map to the question mark there and watches it get sucked away. Echo then finds a tape that he shows to John, and it's an orientation film. I remember being so excited when I first saw that. Me too. <laughs> Me too, because I was just like, because like I said, I'm a I'm a big mythology guy, and I thought that there was like I thought you know the Dharma Initiative was going to be the answer to so many questions, and I've talked about it before on this show. Like there's certain things that I did know because I accidentally had clicked on articles or read certain things on Wikipedia that I shouldn't have read, but mm. there was a lot of things that I still didn't know. So I was just so convinced that, like I said, the Dharma Initiative was going to answer so many questions. There was going to be so many, like, and I, I mean, I was, I was very naive in thinking like, cause I don't know why this is towards the end of season two. I don't know why I thought that they would like answer huge questions like silly me, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I didn't really write much on this okay this is what i have i wrote they watch the film which has the man previously identified as marvin candle this time he's mark wickmond explaining the pearl station uh he says that the participants will be watching a psychological experiment in progress uh writing everything down in notebooks putting the notebooks in the tube and continuing this process until their stay is over i believe he says they're to take eight hour shifts so that their you know the partners can remain fresh 
Um, that's really all I have. I, I'm, I'm, am I missing anything, or was that kind? Of, I think that kind of sums it up, right? Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. I mean, there there wasn't a whole lot that was added, you know, because we already we already learned a lot about the Dharma Initiative from the uh, the first orientation from the Swan orientation film, uh, and this one was like, yeah, they, they there's like. It's interesting how this this one doesn't have. I mean, I, I know it's a lot of it is for the viewers. Like we've already seen the already the other orientation build film, but like, you know, in the context of the show, like, there isn't much introduction to the Dharma Initiative in, in this video. So I think I wonder if there's like, if there's like a reason for that. Oh yeah, because like we, yeah, because in theory somebody's coming off the boat, the whatever, and then. Uh... Basically, they're just like, okay, um, you're in the Dharma Initiative. Here's your jumpsuit, because everyone wears a jumpsuit. Um, here's your jumpsuit. We're going to take you to where you're located. Climb down this giant hole that we've built way down into the ground. Watch this film, which isn't really going to tell you anything. Write some stuff in some notebooks. Send it to what you think is this mysterious whatever that we have going on and then um you know in because i think he says like they only they're only there for like two weeks or something and then it's just like okay bye you know yeah yeah and also this this orientation video uh in this one um marvin candle or mark wood mark wood mark wickman or pierre chang as we as we actually know him right he has to use of both of his arms. Yes, yes, that was the one thing that I forgot to write down. Yeah, yeah, I, it it just like occurred to me like just now. Um, um if I'm not mistaken, though, because uh, I think Lostpedia had something about the fact that uh, it that means it obviously takes place before seventy seven, but yeah. the copyright at the end of it is copyright nineteen eighty, which is kind of strange. Probably just a production, yeah. or you know, like an error, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, with, within the show's mythology, it could you know you could say like, well, yeah, they must have filmed it before 1977, and then like produced it in 1980 or something like that. But it's it's strange because the Swan, like the camera is there. So does that mean that they had to go back and rewire it? Or did they just know that they were always going to build this station? Hmm. It's possible because, I mean, we know the Pearl Station was around, like, you know, until the destruction of the Dharma Initiative. Right. Hmm. I don't know, but it is labeled Station 5, which is weird. And the Swan is Station 3. Okay, wait, yeah. So it's 3 is... I think the Flame is 1. Is that right? Uh, I think 1 is the Hydra. 1 is Hydra? Okay. I thought 2 was... I don't know. Because there's, cause there's what? There's 6, right? But there's actually m- way more than 6. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the the lamp post is one of them and all sorts of stuff, but they th- those don't get numbers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, six is the orchid. I know one is the hydra from that uh, 
an epilogue video. Okay. And Arrow, number two is the Arrow, three is the Swan. I think those are the only numbered stations we know. Four would have to be the Flame, then. Probably. Okay. Um, but anyway, where was, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, trying to figure out like you know when the when the video was made, and it had to have been four seventy seven. But then, it, obviously, the Swan didn't exist then, so. But it is yeah. it is wired in because that's how they're at various points. That's how people are able to watch what's going on in there. Yeah. So yeah, it could have been like you know originally the Pearl was set up to observe other stations, and then the Swan was later added. That's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, they may have just been observing non-existent stations up, you know, at, at that point. Non. What do you mean non-existent stations? Well, because we know we know from you know we discovered later on that this experiment was pretty much meaningless, you know, because that uh, you know the notebooks just ended up in this pile. Right. Uh, oh, well, so you think that? Yeah, that's true though, because that's there's what like nine monitors, but there's only six stations. So they could because yeah, and that's that's the thing that I always took away from it was this was actually the experiment, not any of the stuff happening in the other stations. So they could have set up like random cameras in other places just to see if the people would fill out the information about what they're actually seeing on screen. Yeah, and you know another thing that's possible is like I mean that's I mean, we're talking about an experiment that's going like from like the mid seventies all the way up until like what nineteen ninety two or whatever the purge was. I mean, that's yeah, that's like you know almost twenty years of like this meaningless experiment. So I'm you know, what I'm thinking is maybe maybe that was originally what the, what the Pearl Station was, but then it's like well now that we've got all these surveillance monitors, they should be used for like an actual purpose. So then they started installing cameras in the real stations, and then. You know, then the Pearl became an actual monitoring station instead of this experiment that, you know, that was described in the orientation film. Ooh, I like that. That would make sense. <laughs> yeah. And then this they episode just forgot. is just all <laughs> they, about theories. They, you know, they just forgot to clean up all the, you know, that huge pile of notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is all about theories. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I wrote as the video ends, Echo asks Locke if he'd like to see it again. And Locke says, no, this of course mirrors Locke and Jack watching the Swan film for the very first time. Yep. Um, a bit late. It's actually really funny how much, and it kind of relates back to the whole man of science, man of faith thing, because, of course, in the conversation in at the end of season one, Locke is referring to himself and Jack in the premiere episode of season two. The title man of science, man of faith is referring to Jack himself. And then there's just it's so funny how over the course of this season, Locke has almost become not necessarily the man of science, but he's lost his faith in a sense. And he's almost become the Jack to echo now becoming the Locke like overall. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
A bit later, Echo is gathering papers and anything else he can find. Locke asks why, and Echo says that he's taking it back with them. It may be important. Locke doesn't understand, and I wrote, this shows the two different points of view that these characters have. Echo says the film made him believe in the work in the swan, and that it's more important than ever. Locke believes it's all an experiment. Rats in a maze with no cheese. Um, Echo then says that they're not pushing the button because a film said to, but because they believe that they're meant to. Locke says that he was never meant to do anything. Cynically, he says that every moment of his life is as useless as that button. He says that it's nothing. It means nothing. Um, in a flashback at the Sydney airport, Echo is checking his flight when the, I could not remember her name for the life of me. So I, I wrote the undead girl cause I could <laughs> not remember her name. <laughs> you said it's Charlotte, right? Charlotte, Yeah. Okay. Um, when Charlotte approaches him, she says that when she was on the other side or between places, I believe she says, uh, she, uh, she saw a man, Yemi, and he told her that Echo would visit, although he was pretending he was a good man, good priest, and that, uh, he will see Echo soon. Echo gets upset, asks if her father put her up to this, and that using his brother's name is no joke. And he raises his voice when Libby comes to make sure everything is okay. Um, back on the island, Echo is holding his cross necklace, and he tells Locke the story of how the necklace belonged to his brother, Yemi. Uh, Yemi was on a plane that left from Nigeria. He was on a plane that left from Australia, and they both ended up here. Uh, it's basically all of the coincidental things or fate or whatever you want to call it about Echo's story. Uh, and he says about how he took the cross necklace, the same one uh, that, you know, that he uh, had on the day that he uh, first took a man's life. And he asks how all of that could be meaningless. Echo believes the work in the hatch is important and that he will continue to push the button if Locke won't. And this is where that kind of backfired on the man in black. If we're going to okay. go with yeah. your theory. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure the man in black was thinking like, I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the swan, Jack is giving Libby the heroine and Hurley asks to speak with her. Jack gives them a moment. Hurley is so sad and blames himself for not having the blankets, and he apologizes to her. And Jack, who of course is standing there because you know he has to do the doctor thing, he gets upset as well. She then tries to say something and manages to get out the word Michael, but Jack doesn't understand and tells her that Michael is alright and that he made it. She freaks out for a moment and dies. As Jack shuts her eyes, Hurley begins to cry. Elsewhere in the hatch, Kate is also crying and Sawyer comforts her. Jack is in, I believe he's in the bathroom at that point, and he's upset and he takes a moment to himself. The alarm starts to go off as we see Echo and Locke uh, coming back through the jungle. We continue to hear the beeping as we zoom in on Michael standing in the armory as creepy music begins to play. And then we see a shot of the computer screen as our final image. And that's all I have for this episode. Yeah. 
I think in the next episode we didn't we never got to find out who pushed the button. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was wondering that like the first like who's gonna push the button? After all this talk about it, this episode, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't I don't have anything else. We talked. We explored so many theories in this episode. It was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, I'm sure, pretty sure that's one of the reasons I picked this episode. It was, it worked out fantastically. I don't think I quite expected, like, to come to talk about that many theories, but I, <laughs> I, knew, I knew there were a lot. Um, I think we've covered everything, but do we have anything else? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of going back to, like, you know, is it a, you know, is it a coincidence or was it fate that, you know, that Echo ended up on you know, on the plane that brought him to the, to the island. You know, one thing that, you know, that I was going to point out, you know, at the very beginning, you know, in the beginning of the flashback, Echo was going to get on a plane from Sydney to L.A., but he got delayed because of the investigation. So he wasn't originally going to be on Oceanic 815. But, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's happened to a lot of characters. It happened to Saeed. Um, you know, he, he had to change his, his, his flight date. Uh, I don't know who else, like, um... Well, not so much with the flight date, but because uh, that's one of those things where a lot of people are like, oh, that was that was the island, you know, making sure that everything lined up, you know, because, uh, like, even uh, Tom says, you know, or, you know, various characters say, like, oh, you know, the island isn't done with you yet or whatever. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's one of those, like, um, even going back to the Claire episode from season one, the fact that she tries, like, three different pens and none of them write, and that's, like, after that, she kind of takes that as a sign of, like, okay, this isn't what I want to do, and people have said that they think that was another one of those, you know, the island made that, you know, made the pens not work. They made, they you know, it, it made... Whatever for whatever reason it manipulated things in such a way that, like you said, Saeed wasn't able to get his his original plane. Um, uh, Echo wasn't able to get his original plane. You know all that, yeah. so that all of these characters would end up on that exact plane for that exact you know moment, whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if we don't have uh, anything else, uh, why don't you hit them with you? We've we've talked so much about your social media and how you're. Uh, I've, unfortunately, I I I mean, you're gonna live up. I know you will. But you know, you got some hype to live up to now because uh, okay. we've been talking about your social media this whole time, and people are gonna be like, "All right, I'm gonna follow this guy. I need to see some of these theories." So <laughs> hit them with your social media so they can follow you. Okay, well, I can be um, most easily reached on Twitter, uh, and my, my Twitter handle is uh, Celebok, and it's C-E-L-E-B-O-K, or, you know, you can just search for that, or search for Lost Wayne, that's the that's the name I use, that's the username I use. Um, that would probably be the best way to, you know, to find my, my Lost Theories, because I, I, I kind of dedicate that Twitter account to to mostly Lost. I may, I may insert some personal things on there every now and then, but I think the majority of my tweets are, are Lost-related. All right. Thank you so much, Wayne, for being on the show. Uh, it's it's amazing talking with you. There's like I, I, I say it every time, and and I know you you chuckle about it, but there there is a reason that I call you the guy, and this episode <laughs> proved it. <laughs> <laughs>
So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, well, well, thanks again for for inviting me. It's 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 always uh, I I always enjoy talking about Lost with with other other fans who are like just as obsessed or even more so obsessed than I am. Um, of course, you know you will be back. We teased it. Uh, you know, we will have you back because you're the guy. Of course, you, you will be back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will end on the traditional thank you, namaste, and good luck. Namaste.